Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Initiative podcast. I think it's would be an understatement if I say that it's a privilege and honor to have uh, the model living yogi, the mystic man Shri M with us for our interview. Each is a different flower. So idea here is not to make all roses into marigolds or all marigolds into roses. Roses should be allowed to become good roses, and the marigold should be allowed to become a good marigold. People have this problem that you sit down, you meditate, you are mindful of the inner, but when you come out, you are not mindful of your behavior. If these don't go together, it's not going to happen. Welcome to the show. Thank sir. you very much. Namaskar. Usually when I interview people my first question is uh, is regarding their upbringing and most of us have learned about your upbringing through your book yes uh, that you grew up mostly in Trivandrum and yes. were born in an Islamic family yes but you had certain experiences your grandmother told you a lot about some Sufi saints and their stories that's right now my first question is around when all that was happening you were such a young child yes was there any confusion or fear in your mind mm-hmm. when you were in two very contrasting fates mm-hmm. two very different but somewhat similar mm-hmm. fates mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. what was that like well that didn't occur to me at all i mean fear of being belonging to another fate and then going that never bothered me first of all the society in trivandrum in those days in which we lived was quite open and uh, it was not like orthodox there was a time in kerala passed through orthodoxy but that time it was kind of weaning away and uh, so i didn't have plus the fact that my parents my father especially was quite uh, egalitarian and global in his outlook because he is a one of the early graduates from the maharaja's college trivandrum and his subject was philosophy and malayalam was his uh, sub subject so uh, from childhood i have seen so many books like in fact the first time i heard of uh, read and understood the gayatri mantra was from his table there was a small book by swami chinmayananda called japa yoga and gayatri so it was not that bad you know as it could have been my mother was not orthodox but she didn't know anything about all this but but then there was this factor she loved me more than anything so whatever i did was okay <laughs> and mothers are like that yeah. Yeah. yeah so contrasting that to when you became a father you had a family you had two wonderful young children yeah. and when you had the opportunity to bring them up and and you and your wife mm. how was your upbringing for your children any different than your parents and the reason why i ask that is because the times are different and and lot of us i have a very young daughter and lot of our listeners do have kids as well so i think that's one question that has been on my mind yeah. two factors yeah one is that till they reached say the age of 12th standard first they were studying in a completely rural school very close to manapalli but in andhra pradesh in rail part 
Gunnishi Valley? No. The David Horsborough School, called the Neilbagh School. A rural school, heart, in the heart of the village. Ten years I lived there. I took it over and ran it for the Krishnamurti Foundation. One of the rural schools, Rishi Valleys. So, they grew up in a very free atmosphere out there. And from childhood, they have been seeing me doing yoga, meditating, reading, and so on and so forth. And some of the people who today have become hard core, I would say, followers or disciples, whatever you want to use, they had already started trickling in, in Rail Pad. So they have some kind of a background. But Sunanda and I, my wife and I, we insisted that we will not put them into any kind of forced structure. They need to wake up. They need to understand why we are doing this. So it was always an open discussion. I, neither have they gone to temples, nor have they gone to mosques. No, but, but I wouldn't say that they have no respect for that. They would go. But there is no inclination to do that. It was more inner than outer. So that was how it was. Then they went off to the Rishi Valley School and their mother was teaching their literature. So they were there. And I was wandering, as usual, here and there. I got this place here. What you see is a modified place now. It was very small. Nobody used to live around because these Lombardi tribals live close by. They're considered a Dakka, Dakoids and so on. I never labeled them, so I'm okay. So we started the school for the Lombardi kids, actually. Huh? So they had a freedom to learn, to read. and Probably in those years, there were people would think they were exposed to Krishnamurti. Yes, they were, but they were kind of, you know, children rebel when too much of things happen. So they were not exactly like... You see, there are two kinds of people who listen to Krishnamurti, appreciate Krishnamurti and make some points, though you may not agree with certain things. That's one side. There's another core called the Krishnamurtite. This guy will not shift here and there. Luckily, did not become Krishnamurtites. And Sunanda was never, anyway, she comes from a Saraswat Brahmin family in Udupi. And her parents were not so orthodox, but her setup was like that. So, this is how the children grew up. <laughs> so, they were mostly in an open environment, believing more going inside than just being f- outside or looking formal, uh-huh. formal s- mm. schooling, which most yeah. of us have gone yeah. to or at least looked after. Yeah. I think that prompts another question uh, regarding an inner self. So, we we say that the self or knowing yourself is very important, right? And I think that's something... Uh, yes. Yeah. But then we say that ego is not. Okay. And ego is part of our mind or, or manas in a way of the way we understand it in, in philosophy. Okay. But in the process of knowing self, this ego becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. How do we disassociate the two? I wouldn't say that it becomes bigger and bigger in everybody. We can't make a sweeping statement out there. But... Yeah, you're right in many cases because the inner self that we seek somewhere along the line because of human self-centeredness gets mixed up with the other self. Uh, The Sufis call it the commanding self, 
It is many times we do things even without knowing that we are actually being commanded to do it subconscious. You know, so if we can distinguish between the two and see what is this which is trying to profile your ego, and what is the other which is going to take us inside? Luckily for me, Mahishwanath Baba Ji, my guru. Well, he was like uh, uh, he didn't let anything go in, without going into. the core so from the beginning he put this in my mind watch out in the inner self to find in the self this self of yours shouldn't become like more and more hard and strong and gather it should disintegrate if it disintegrates then the other self reveals itself this kind of unconscious merger between the two It's like saying "Aham Brahmasmi." Now, this is a profound statement. I personally think nobody should say this easily or at least openly because it's an experience. It's something where you reach, where you understand the self. What happens then? Then you, something people notice there's something, something in this guy which we can't understand. Some energy, some whatever, because you're touching the root, and then they start projecting things and. Falling into feet, this or that, and then if you are not careful, Baba Ji always said, it doesn't matter what others think about you. Let them think what they want. Anyhow, they can't figure out. Let them think. The moment you begin to believe what they think, you are doomed. He actually said, "Chikichad me phasiyaogi," you know. So I've been very careful. The result also is the other side is that I see some of these teachers, spiritual teachers. I don't like name anybody. But slowly they begin to think that when they say Brahman, this is the Brahman. No, <laughs> you know that. So this is how I have tried to keep it at bay. It may be made easier for me because I'm a married family man, while a sannyasin doesn't have the advantage of being tested, nor does he have the advantage of somebody pulling you down and saying, "Look, these are facts. Look at what you're doing." They don't have. Unless they have a guru who points it out to them. Absolutely, I think that's what I was trying to understand as well. I think you are enlightened and and you are so aware. So I don't think it's regard it's for you, but uh, I think for many of us who face this problem of distinguishing between you know where should we draw a boundary. and i think that i would like to read something from one of your books that you had written and i think i would like you to expand mm-hmm. uh, even though you have mentioned this in the book but you know i would like you to hear from your mouth so if you don't mind sure so you say that a well known statement in mm-hmm. ishavasya upanishad is he who worships ignorance enters the, into darkness and that is very clear everyone thinks so highly of knowledge that this statement is easily understood we therefore applaud it but then rishis posit a paradox he says and he who worships knowledge enters into greater darkness it's a bombshell it's a bombshell and it is a paradox it is something against what most of us are doing we're going after knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and i would love if you can explain this paradox and why is it by gaining knowledge we are entering more darkness couple of points one is the personal point which is you'll notice that people who enter who have who kind of worship knowledge 
knowledge is most important to them some of them become kind of their egos get very blown up that is one thing and the second thing is they have so much information gathered from the textbooks and so on that there is no space in the mind for the reality to come into being even if there is a small spark of divinity immediately they define it with all these things they have stuffed in they have no way of finding out what it is this is one of the reasons one one is warned this you can get rid of if you are aware of this happening it's not that the second thing is quite metaphysical because you see this is personal the other you know when we say knowledge i need to acquire some knowledge i don't know something i don't know about this microphone i need to acquire i have the desire suppose to acquire and then i start working on it now at that point when i am understanding it it is not knowledge it is understanding it is not intellect it is intelligence dio yona prachodaya stimulate my nobody said not to put your intelligence into cold storage it is the intellect which begins to post that it is the best and then now upanishad itself throws that out by saying among other thing chakshushana pasyati and so on says in manasana manyute you that which even the mind ordinary mind cannot conceive or touch that is the truth nothing that you worship here nedam yat idam upasate swimming statement from can upanishad from the samaveda so it's there the points the seeds of the thought were already there okay now we bring it to one more connecting link why upanishad probably said so and that is so you acquired the knowledge of the microphone now when i say i want to which means what which means the idea of the microphone has gone into my brain in the form of memory this is what i mean by knowledge of the microphone it's a tiny cubby hole somewhere where it sits and any time i want i can open it open the drawer and ah i know but no now that truth the upanishads are talking about is not something which can be byhearted and set up in the memory that is a different shut smriti you can not shuti so shuti is instant and ishavashmidam sarvam now it pervades everything here not that i have i know that it pervades it is written that it pervades it's pervaded long ago and it is still stuck there no so it's a immediate experience and if it is an immediate experience then it cannot be part of our memory because all memory is in the past you cannot think of any memory in the present every memory is in the past therefore that truth which we think we know is in the past it's a memory it's not a re- you know i hope i'm trying to make myself ask sometimes you come across the upanishads rishi saying the teacher saying navidmo navijanimo yathayat anushishya i don't know how to put this along to you because he finding it difficult in the same way but we are trying our best so when this is understood then you know that all the knowledge you have gathered it may be useful at some point to reach there but it is redundant as far as the reality is concerned reality it is not even staying in one place it's not like a stagnant pool bridge mosquitoes it's a flowing river it's like the ganga 
फर्स्ट मेडिटेशन दैट बाबा जी टॉट मी इज डू नथिंग ओपन योर राइस ओपन योर राइस वाई वॉट शुड आई डू फ्रॉम आरिंदी गुफा यू कैन सी द गंगा फ्लोइंग वॉच हे माइंड स्लोली यू रियलाइज वाई ही सेट दैट योर माइंड इज स्लोली बिगिनिंग टू फ्लो एंड नॉट गेट स्टक एनी वे सो दिस इज वन इम्पॉर्टेंट फैक्टर इन अंडरस्टैंडिंग द ट्रूथ इफ यू थिंक द अदर वे रॉन्ग देन आई थिंक वी आर एंटरिंग मोर डार्कनेस <laughs> I think so. I think that begs another question, which is around Shraddha. You talk about Baba Ji, and uh, I think in the Yoga Sutras, it's mentioned Shraddha Virya Smriti Samadhi Pragya Purva Kitaresham. Right. And Shraddha is the beginning, but the contemporary world that we are living in, that total devotion. is getting somewhat diluted because of the knowledge that you talk about see this is what i'm talking about i'll give you one example take the case of ramakrishna paramahamsa no knowledge of conventional kind anything i think that was not a disqualification it was a qualification <laughs> he saw it swami vivekananda was a very knowledgeable man even though he was his disciple scholarly knowledgeable speak in sanskrit fluently So two things notice here. Ramakrishna Paramahamsa did not want Vivekananda to be his clone. He didn't want him to be his clone. It's very important to note. And second, that Swami Ji understood this factor, which Ramakrishna understood without studying anything, by studying and understanding Vedanta. So there are two kinds of people who. Have Come to the same point. So, are you? There's a story about a professor who went to his Zen master and said, "Sir, please teach me how to attain samadhi." He said, "Sathuri." Zen master said, "First, have a cup of tea." So he brings a cup, puts it on the. T- you know, Japanese are ceremonial in everything, and he starts pouring the tea. The cup gets full, and the tea is flowing down the tablecloth. Man can't stop himself. He said, "Sir, the cup is overflowing." He says, he stops and he says, "Your cup, the head, is overflowing. How can I give you Zen? If I give you Zen, it will also flow out." Now, from the personal point of view, a person who has what we call shraddha is a person who has discarded all the intellectual pretensions. Either he's innately like that, or he's discarded it, like, and says, "Hey, this is of no use, man. Throw it off." And for that, one type of person may read through, read through many books to come there, to arrive there. Somebody may be, I think, Sri Ramakrishna Paramahamsa was a special person. He was born like that. Some people are born like that. You cannot imitate that person. Well, you can see him, you can learn many things, and then you, on your own, become. It's not as if the realized world. If there is a realized world, it's like one bed of the same flowers. Each is a different flower. So, idea here is not to make all roses into marigolds or all marigolds into roses. Roses should be allowed to become good roses, and the marigold should be allowed to become a good marigold. I think Ramakrishna Paramahamsa is a, a real teacher who worked that way. I can say, "Ouch!" from Baba Ji Maharaj. He had disciples among the Nagababas who smoked 
up. But he had, you know, he would make them sit down and discuss matters with them. And I said, Babaji, these fellows are... He said, <laughs> he said, you go and spend six months with them. And he sent me off. So Shraddha is when you see something and say, none of my intellectual explanations fit this. And then from that to discover that through my intellectual cerebral work, this cannot be touched. To reach that point, I might have to celebrate a bit. Till you come there, I really... No. Right? So, when this happens, something happens inside one, which I would call as Shraddha. People usually translate it as devotion. Shraddha also means complete one-pointed attention. Shraddha. So, there is something from inside that is just saying that I should do it. It's not a blindfold kind of a thing that no. you are blindly following someone. No. It's something from inside Absolutely. that this is it kind this of thing. This is it. And then when you come face for coming there, one needs to, you know, it is as if there is a powerful magnet somewhere. And I'm a piece of iron and I want to become that magnet. I can't become that magnet because I'm small. But I can get some part of the magnetism into me. But as long as there is rust that is not effective. And it's not a cross-sectional, it's a longitude. No, no. So I need to cut off that rust. Just cut off in various ways till that iron becomes pure. When iron becomes pure, it goes and sticks to the magnet with no barrier, Shraddha. So that takes me to the next question. And this is regarding your travels. You still travel a lot. You have traveled not just across India, throughout the world a lot. And then you did Walk of Hope, which started from the Vivekananda Rock, as we know of it, in Kanyakumari, and, and went up to Kashmir. You were invited to speak in the parliament as well. Now, with this experience of traveling the lens and breadth across India, what do you think unites us? What is it that, why we are this unity in diversity? I think, according to me, as I have seen people in villages, in urban areas, cities, I've seen poor people who work in the farm, tribals. We walk through every, sit with them, have a cup of tea. I've also seen power people who think they're powerful, politicians. What I've noticed is what has kept this country together, not country, this psyche of being, being a person of Bharat together, is not anything forceful or any militant effect. It's a inborn understanding that has come through several thousands of centuries, several hundreds, let's say, hundreds of... Um, because some people have controversies about saying thousands, but anyway, hundreds of years of understanding the central truth which has fitted down to us in many ways, even in popular folklore. We know that there are 44 crores of gods. Everybody can be worshipped. It's not as if we are put, uh, put a blind and said, this is the only god I will worship. No. Therefore, if some other religion comes, unless it forces you to change to their point of view, one man would welcome it. If he's a Hindu, and that is what I mean, he would welcome it and he would say, oh, this, is nice. this is another way of looking at it, but I like this. So you look at India's history, whom many people have come, invaded. I would actually say that many of the invaders got 
colored by what they found here rather than the other way round that's absolutely by right. force they might have so you know like militant might and administrative fine i understand otherwise in fact one something good which you can say about the mughal invasion this is for the first time there was an emperor for the whole of india sitting in delhi or before that agra but we didn't have a concept they were all look i like that not this you know where each local thing has its own color and what we call hindu i'm talking not hindutva that we call a hindu is that wide spectrum it's like a rainbow it starts here and ends you don't know where this end disappears and where the end comes from in the sky if you look at the rain, it's like that so i would say nothing can change this you can try what you want it the mind is so resilient it will go hit and come back have seen this so it's the resiliency of people of india that that is what binds Something, us together you know today you can see it in technology also the resiliency who is being hired for software and other things mostly indians yes so i think one point was akbar but before akbar i think hundreds of years ago there was ashoka was there who tried to bind the country together as oh, yeah. well yeah so that was there as well i think we're getting to the close of our interview one final question that i have before i end it and do you think we need new scriptures the reason why i ask that is our times have changed and many new things have evolved we as humans have evolved and our understanding of the world has changed and one such example is that most of our scriptures if we look back are men there are hardly any women that are gurus so do we need to redefine these scriptures do we need to write new upanishads new ending to the vedas you know it may not be classified as the same as the upanishads we already have but we already have the seeds of the thought which are expressing in the upanishad it's there have been rare but there were great rishis like gargi uh, they were unknown in the lingayat movement akkamadi you see it is there but now you're right this is what i am also trying to do change give women a chance to understand this for some reason they are not let into it we will not discuss the, the reasons but yes so now because if it gets into them they can change the world the, after all the first influence on the child is the mother right one point the other is the days when we need to study the upanishads understand the truth you have to go short periods of solitude are essential for thinking deeply I understand that having said that that trees where you have to wear a special dress or you have to wear a special and live in a is gone i think the human brain has now evolved enough to understand that we can live here work here and still find it it has over the years it was necessary then but it is not necessary so what we need today not in summer but other time a gene clad yogis who cannot be distinguished outside except by their behavior <laughs> the externals are not important and so this is the trend we have to take now and not to shut people up if they ask questions it was not like that in the ancient period 
it became like that somewhere along the line now we need to go back and say i'm not saying go back into history go back to the thought of saying let's have a see the chandogya upanishad rishi says to his son have you understood the truth he says yes i have understood the truth he said let me explain to you in a different way you see the banyan tree there is a seed lying open it up what do you see i see the seed of the banyan tree open the skin what do you see i see the kernel of it open it what do you see i see little seeds inside black seeds pick one of these and break it open it. what do you see he says i see nothing he says this whole banyan tree has come out of that nothing this mode of communication should restart i wouldn't say this is new like jesus christ the wandering uh, parivrajak in jerusalem said <laughs> this is all old wine in new bottles <laughs> that's true but i think people get have stuck upon in the last few hundreds of thousands of years where there has been division and people who are powerful have really really suppressed the other and i think you are right but i think more work needs to happen very much work yeah. needs to be done it's time that this is changed see look at the definition brahma vid brahma eva bhavati one who knows the supreme brahman is a brahmana today you are by birth but it happens everywhere not only among the brahmins but it happens everywhere film stars wants to put his son in as a film star there may be more talented people outside so there you we think the caste system is broken there are many castes business caste political caste just looked at the spectrum okay all three persons in a family bursting into tears whatever so these things are happening so we need to change this and the only way to change is to bring them back on this platform that listen primarily we are actually no different from anybody else we are one yes and i think that equality is where the future should be it should be the present and it should have been the past and i think most important we can't afford to lose the treasures this is what i'm trying to say and if this is the way it's going is be lost we need to change it change it yeah so before we end what we usually do is ask a few rapid fire questions if you don't mind i'll ask them uh, so the answer you. is to be also fast and short no i don't know i'm yes uh, it's up to you it can be as long as you want okay. and uh, short okay so one childhood memory that sparks a joy in your mind right now one is most important seeing baba ji under the jackfruit tree <laughs> i'm just giving you a direct answer absolutely that's what we are looking for and this is something that uh, may or may not be relevant but person in history that you would like to go and meet i always wish even though i've been told not to get attached that my shornath baba ji lived still somewhere in his physical body so that once in a year for 3 days i could go and see <laughs> and what does mindfulness mean to you mindfulness to me means to be mindful of how you live in the outer world and being mindful of the inner thoughts If people have this problem that you sit down and meditate you're mindful of your inner but when you come out you're not mindful of your behavior if these don't go together it's not going to happen and one artist that has inspired you because i know you yourself are an artist and a great artist amateur amateur <laughs> one artist that inspires you from in, a contemporary in what field 
artist can be an art, someone who's drawing someone who's singing who's Shall I tell you yes in dance i adore birju maharaj katak beautiful yes I, i've seen him perform i i love birju maharaj comparable uh, you don't know that he's there on the stage and as far as uh, songs and music is concerned i am great uh, admirer of uh, drupad so any mature drupad say everybody say i'm singing drupad i would really appreciate that and put him up a notch i don't want to go this stupid question so and then in so this is some of the thing there are many classical dancers but for me i'm this is personal you ask me a personal question absolutely and that's what we are not bringing down the level of any dance i think a dance form is one of the most beautiful because there you actually use your mind your body your action your everything expression to depict something it's a bringing out of the inner to present to the outward world it's a why the king of dancers is nataraj shiva <laughs> and one final question you mentioned drupad and, and I, i believe you love classical singing as well anything that you can sing for our listeners it can be a mantra as well whatever you would like we would love to listen to your voice I can't sing right now because I'm not such an expert in singing Drupad. But even a Vedic chant has is set to a certain music. You know why the Gurudwaras, many things including Kabir have been saved because they're set in a raga. And they're called ragis because they sing in a raga. So in the same way, everything has a sound like the Upanishad. If you go to the Taittiriya, there is a Shanti part for the Taittiriya. It's very interesting. Even if you don't know what it means, you may know, but somebody doesn't know what it means. It has an effect because of it. Like Shanno Mitra Shamvarunaha Shanno Bhavatvaryama Shanna Indro Brihaspati Shanno Vishnurur Kramanamo Brahmane Namaste Vayutva Meva Pratyacham Brahmasi. प्रत्यक्षम ब्रह्म वदिष्या हृद वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावत तद्वक्तावत अवत मवत वक्ता ओं शांति इट्स नॉट जस्ट यू आर जस्ट सेंग समथिंग लाइक इट्स मेजर्ड एंड दट मेजरमेंट हृद वदिष्या ई कैंड ऑफ डिराइव the meaning of the english word rhythm from rhythm vadishyami you know without rhythm even knowledge anything becomes useless see why music you can simply sing a song if it doesn't have rhythm what people say hey this is avaswarup thank you so much i think that's a great way for us to end this or bring this interview to close thank you so much for being a part on i want show. to thank you to bring this out to me <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much whoever has tuned in to listen to our show. We are available on iTunes and Google Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please remember to rate us or share us with share our podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much. Thank you.